This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. First week of the NFL playoffs in the book. College football season has transitioned to the draft. But here at Saturday to Sunday, we are looking back this week at the NFL rookies first year before we kind of turn the page to start getting ready for the next upcoming draft. And I'm really excited to have back here at Saturday, Sunday, Mr. Christopher Harris. Chris, welcome back. I think we've been doing this three or four years now. Always excited to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me, Paul. You know, I consider you a friend and uh, I'm happy to do it. So my listeners have been listening to me and my co-host most weeks, Jeff Abercrombie, talk about these rookies from before they were drafted throughout the whole season then. So we just kind of wanted to bring on somebody else's perspective who we know, you know, watches the film on these guys just to kind of get some general thoughts on what you thought of their rookie years, maybe heading into the offseason, some some things with these. So why don't we start at the position that's probably the easiest for fantasy because they don't really offer a lot of fantasy value. But I want to start at the quarterback position and just kind of have your take on what you made from Kenny Pickett's first season and then the surprise that has been Brock Purdy here down the home stretch of the second half of the year. And now we'll see how far things can kind of go with them. Do you look at Purdy and think it's just all scheme system or do you you think they found a little bit of a diamond in the rough? And when you look at Pickett, I have the same vibes I kind of felt with Mac Jones you know, even when he was drafted, I didn't love Pickett. I, I didn't love Mac Jones when he was out. That's kind of where I stand. But I'm interested to hear someone else's perspective. Um, Yeah, Pickett's easier because we have a, basically not a full season, but, you know, most of a season to talk about. Um, He, you know, <laughs> there's the one play everybody's going to talk about at the end of the year. Second to, last, second to last game of the year on national TV against the Ravens, right? Where... He makes this Mahomes like play and everyone goes, wait, this is, this is what everybody's been complaining about. (laughs) Um, and he, he didn't look like that very much over the course of the year, but there's, it is a little bit complicated by, we've been complaining about the offensive coordinator for whatever it is now, four years. And, uh, it's just not adventurous offense at all. And maybe Kenny Pickett's secretly ready to be something more than we think. But right now, Mac Jones feels like the right comparison to me. Um, I, 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 that, that one play like, and, and he played well down the stretch and they won a bunch of games down the stretch. So I don't want to doom him. I think it's, especially a quarterback. It's really, really hard to know for sure. After one year, I mean, Josh Allen was a disaster for one year. Like we don't, we don't actually really know for sure, but, but you know, based on what I've seen so far, I go, eh, I think Kenny Pickett's upside is Andy Dalton and it's probably not even going to hit that. And Purdy is much harder because a, it's not that big of a chunk of the season and B he's surrounded by the best team in the NFL. Like if they had a quarterback that we really believed in, I think they would be prohibitive Super Bowl favorites at this point, because I think it's the best defense. I think it's the best group of skill guys and it's up there with the best offensive line. Um, Purdy throws to a lot of open receivers. That's what I can tell you. Like if you're going to look at expected completion percentage, he's going to be under what what the actual expected number is because everybody's wide open. So that kind of number is just not fair to him. And he really struggled in the first half against Seattle. 
and probably was responsible for the team being behind at halftime. And then he played great. He, he, a couple of downfield throws that he needed that he nailed. Um, the, the Debo Samuel touchdown was <laughs> nobody covered him, but it was a 50 yard run. Um, so I'm reserving judgment on Purdy. You know, my tendency, having done this a long time, is to say, usually these guys don't work out. Usually, you know, but I, there, you know, there are exceptions, and I'm willing to be proven wrong. Um, I won't. I don't think if they win the Super Bowl, it necessarily means Brock Purdy's a starter in the league because the team is right around him is so good. But I'm willing to reserve judgment. Yeah, I think it's gonna be fascinating to kind of see how far this run takes San Francisco because I think you're right. You know, I was having a conversation with someone. I don't remember in my lifetime a foursome group of skilled players with their level of skill and versatility. There might've been one that, you know, if top two, yeah, there's been other top twos, maybe even top threes, but four with the tight end with Kittle, McCaffrey, Ayuk and Debo, the different things those players bring to the table. It's as talented a group of foursome in terms of skill players is that I can personally remember. And he's just kind of like the point guard distributing to everybody but it's going to be fascinating what they do. Trey Lance is a complete unknown and mystery. Do they actually make it an open competition? Do they finally say, we need to see what Trey Lance is with all the draft capital they gave up to gave him? Do they just move on and, and try to recoup some of that draft capital for Trey Lance? Because I'm sure teams would be, would be interested if they had a high grade on him a couple years ago. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of see where this San Francisco season plays itself out and what they kind of do with the quarterback. Uh, the other quarterbacks in this rookie class, I mean, we saw Malik Willis. That didn't go so well. Uh, you know, long way to go in terms of passing. Any thoughts on, I mean, it was very minimal and late in the year where not a lot of relevancy. Desmond Ritter, final question. Do you, do you think he showed anything to you that gives maybe even Atlanta the thought that maybe make him compete with somebody for a starting job next year? Or the glimpses you saw of him, you think they should be full-fledged, you know, looking for, you know, starting quarterback in the offseason. Well, they should be looking for a starting quarterback in the offseason, but just because he didn't show anything, again, quarterback is the hardest position to know right away. So I, I thought his first game was the worst game I saw anybody play all year, but he got a little better and the team stunk. You know, yes. we're going to talk about the running back and the team team was bad and they were trying to be bad. And like, I just, I don't want to doom Desmond Ritter that he can never be good because, because he can be, we, you know, it wasn't a good start. He didn't look good. He played, you know, played down to the level of his team and they should certainly be trying to find another quarterback, but he'll still be there obviously. And, and I don't, you know, I, I, I can't tell you for sure what he's going to be in the future. Yeah. It's going to be to be determined. My guess is they look to upgrade the position, but we'll see, you know, the, the, the draft class is okay. I don't think it's great at the quarterback position, you know, we'll see. We'll see if somebody, you know, if we have some quarterback movement in terms of big names, you know, Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what, what kind of happens. You know, Lamar Jackson, who knows, you know, so that could that could, you know, change the dynamic a little bit. So let's, let's transition over to the running backs and, and let's start right at the top. The guys who I think just on film were the most impressive while they were playing and, and healthy, you know, and they both obviously were injured for different parts of the season. And I remember coming on your show and us having a conversation about Kent Walker and Brees Hall and you asking me, you know, if I thought the gap between them was wide or close. And, you know, I said, I think Kent Walker is a better natural runner, Brees Hall more explosion. Now that we've seen them in the NFL, both of them had moments where they looked like really talented players. And now that you got a feel for their games at the NFL level, where do you kind of stand on Hall, Walker? Do you 
what you saw? Did you see a talent disparity between them? Do you do you think they're both, you know, provided they they can, you know, haul them back from his injury? Uh, do you both see that these guys could be high end running backs to the next level? And would you be excited? Um, you know, probably we're always excited for running backs in fantasy, but are these two guys that you would see a scenario where you're on film, you're really interested in them. It's not just a product of what they were doing in, in, in the environment they were in. It's just not a fair comparison. Poor Kenneth Walker, like <laughs> Brees Hall had three games where he was the lead running back and he was a superstar, unbelievable, incredible, like looked like the best player in the league, frankly, for on a couple of his runs, and then he gets tears his ACL. So how, by comparison, how can a full season possibly live up to that? You know, like I, I feel like I'm, I'm tempted by you know, Brees Hall has the problem of coming back from the torn ACL. So for next year, there's no, no question who you want, right? You you want Walker, um, but like ability wise, I don't think Walker showed. I, Walker was fine. Walker was good. Uh, I don't think he showed what Brees Hall showed. In a, but again, it's not a fair comparison. It's a, it's, it was such a, I mean, we remember what that first month was like, or whatever it was, three weeks, where they weren't using him. He wasn't the guy. He, he had like eight touches in a game, and then, and then they let him bust out, and he was just so good. And, and again, would he have sustained it? Probably not. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing. And, you know, the Jets, you know, they have a whole – set of problems on their side with the quarterback and who's going to be quarterbacking for them next year. And then Hall's got the injuries coming back from. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see, you know, those two kind of play, play itself out. When you, when you look at though, like a guy like Walker, you know, I know Mm -hmm. on your show, you've been like over the years, you've been adamant sometimes where he's a guy, he's, he's good, but he's not his stats that he's putting up. Maybe don't represent the, the talent of player he is. When you look at a guy like Kenneth Walker, are you seeing what you've seen so far? Like, are you thinking like David Montgomery, Chris Carson, or are you thinking above no. that level? Better. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think, I think definitely better. He's not, he's not some slappy out there just, you know, taking up space and taking up carries and running into guys. He definitely makes people miss. He's clearly fast. Like if and yes. when he ever breaks free. And if anything, he probably was trying to hit too many home runs early in the season and kind of got, got used to the idea that when you're between the tackles, buddy, he kind of got to go. Right. And so I think he got better as the season went along. Um, yeah. I think, I think a, a good player, a nice combination of size, like big enough that with all running backs, we have to worry about injuries, but I don't immediately go, Oh my God, please never give that guy 20 touches in a game. Like no, with Walker at his size, his profile, I think we can, we can, I don't want it every, every week, but I, enough, like we can get some of those games. Um, I don't I don't think he should have a problem scoring touchdowns in close if and when it comes to that. Uh I sort of like the rotation that they that they landed on with DJ Dallas who I've always liked, not as much as Kenneth Walker, but I like DJ Dallas, but like just another guy or even another two guys that that kind of just rotate in. Let's not McCaffrey this guy. Like let's let's keep him alive. I kind of like that. I I'm I'd say like I can't I can't get as revved up about Kenneth Walker as I did early on about Josh Jacobs or Jonathan Taylor, or Saquon Barkley. I don't think he's in that class yet. Anyway, I don't think so, but uh, certainly not just another guy. Yeah. I think he, he's definitely cut above those guys who I think are replaceable talents and David Montgomery. And, and I think Walker is a guy who probably see a heavy volume in Seattle if, you know, based on the way they play, but even I think he's got the talent to also just, 
be a factor in his own right and not just rely on, you know, like, oh, they like to run. So therefore, you know, we started this year, Gino broke for like what, like more yards than, than Russ ever threw in Seattle, which was wild. But they also like to focus on the running back and, and have him involved. So I think that aspect and his film kind of will put him pretty high up there in terms of fantasy ranks. Let's take this to, I'll group them like this. Well, the guys who I consider more of the between the tackles type guys who had a lot of snaps this year, you know, Damian Pierce played a lot, you know, it was the starter for most of the season until at the end of the year when he got hurt besides like week one was a little bit weird where they, they kind of fed Rex Burkhardt, uh, Rex Burkhead, uh, Brian Robinson, obviously coming back from the early season where he got shot at, you know, and then he kind of took that backfield kind of over. It was like a 60, 40, give or take. And then you mentioned him before when we were talking about Atlanta, Tyler Algier, is there from that trio of guys is there one that on like talent, obviously we know Damian Pierce was the most productive for fantasy, stuff like that. But of those three guys, is there one talent wise that you kind of think kind of separates from the other two? None of them are world beaters to me, but I liked watching the film on Pierce the best. I think um, he, ha- he, ha- he, you said it right. I mean, he's not like a super explosive guy. Um, he's, he's, he just sort of improbable. Um, I, I never expect him to last as long as he does on runs. <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> like I just, why it's as simple as that. I just never think how, how is this guy still standing? You know, um, I, like he, he isn't huge, but he's not small. Um, he's not super fast, but he just, maybe it's vision. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Um, but, I've, I enjoyed watching him the most, and it was in, obviously, the worst situation, as bad as Atlanta was. Houston was a far worse situation to be running in. Um, and and also, I like the fact that his injury, you know, shouldn't shouldn't be a thing. The comp that I've made on my show for Damian Pierce is Javante Williams. And uh, Javante Williams comes with so much hype, you know. I mean, people wanted to make him a first-round pick this year. Uh, some, some did. Um, and I don't think... Javante Williams probably shouldn't have been hyped quite that much. And now we don't have to worry about that for a while. And, and, um, and, and Pierce won't be hyped that much because he's because of his situation. Uh, he's my choice. I liked what I've seen of Algier. I'm going to come clean. I'm about to, for my show this week, do a film breakdown. I'm going to watch every carry. I haven't done it yet. Um, to what, to, to kind of get a fuller, more current opinion of how, uh, Algier wound up the season. I think you you had it right. Like as a power back, as a as a dude who's just running over people, he's pretty pretty interesting, pretty good, um, and and also somewhat, you know, I don't feel like he makes many guys miss. I don't feel like he's quite as explosive in short area. But I'm willing to be, I'm willing to have my own film review, um, change my opinion on that. Who was the third guy? No, you got it. Oh, Brian Robinson. Yeah, Brian Robinson would be my third choice in that group. Um, fair to say that. Maybe we never got to see what Brian Robinson can be and would have been had he not been shot. Um, I thought, you know, he j- he's he's a mauler. He's a straightforward, straight ahead mauler. And there, with that coach, there's a chance for fantasy purposes that he winds up being the most valuable. Um, Antonio Gibson, by the end of the year, I think we now learn that Antonio Gibson probably wasn't healthy the entire second half of the season, and feels like he's fallen a little out of favor as the running back and Robinson probably goes into next year as a pretty 
from what we know now as a pretty heavy favorite to be the main guy. But I don't know. Like, there's a potential for a big touchdown season there because he's a big, powerful dude. And he's obviously, you know, really tough. <laughs> a lot tougher than I ever would be. Um, but probably skill set-wise of the three, he'd be three for me. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. And I think Algier in particular is going to be one, depending on what Atlanta does, I could see... I could see you on your show pushing back the the overhype maybe next year right. on Tyler Algier. Now nah, the Falcons people... are signed Saquon. <laughs> <laughs> I just broke your heart a little. <laughs> uh, it was weird. Giants fans have been on a roller coaster. We wanted everybody out, and now we're yeah. like, eh, maybe not. It's, 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 it's a weird. It's a weird. Not what anybody expected. Obviously, Giants fans are enjoying what's what's happening this year for right. sure. But it's. I mean, it's been a weird let me ask you, turnaround. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt and yeah. uh, uh, sidetrack the show, but I don't want to hear about salary cap when it comes to someone like Barkley. I don't want to hear about, oh, it's dumb to give the second contract. It's dumb to spend a lot of money. If you think you have a chance to win, okay, in three years or four years, he might not be anything. It might be bad. You'll be sad you have the cap hit. But who cares about cap hits? It's 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 real dollars. Everybody cares about the. You know I say the cap is crap. Yep. Oh, Daniel right Jones. Yeah. Daniel Jones is a different case. I'm not sure. I don't know what to make, but I, I don't take money as a reason not to send Barkley. No, and I'm right there with you. And I think people get so, so over worried about the fact that it's a running back position when they should just look at certain guys as offensive weapons like Christian McCaffrey, you know, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, like certain types of players. Like they're just, they're not just running backs that you're running in between the tackles where anybody can just do what they do. Like some of the guys I, we were just talking about. Like it's I not Brian Derrick Robinson. Henry. Yeah. Like, I think I'd take Derrick Henry, frankly. I mean, he, he got the second contract and now people are like, see, I don't know. He's on the, he's on pace for a pretty good season. I just think the, the, the um, PFF uh, slagging of running backs that has filtered its way through the entire league uh, plays right into NFL owners, uh, wishes not to spend real dollars. Yeah. You know, they get to kind of propagate this notion that running backs are worthless and you can always find another one and you can always replace them. It doesn't matter. Um, when I'd, I'd take the good one, please. And yes, you might have to wind up spending $20 million extra out of your person. You have it. And I don't care. Like, why am I, what do I care about what the owner <laughs> spends? I don't yeah. care. Just give me the best players. And it's all out of whack because like third wide receivers will make like 10 to $12 million. And then they're like, Oh, we can't give we can't give one of the top five running backs in football twelve million dollars. It's like what? Like we're giving like a slot wide receiver. Like you know, like there was that year that like Sterling Shepard, who I like, is a solid player, but he got like ten million dollars, and somebody else like in a similar talent got like eleven million dollars. And I'm like, we're giving like star running backs like ten to twelve million dollars. Not maybe the McCaffrey like sixteen, seventeen, but like really good running backs were getting like ten million dollars, and people were like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yet people are throwing around, you know, sixteen million dollars for wide receivers, twelve million dollars for third wide receivers. It, it's very, very out of whack. The whole running. Back. Anyway, welcome to welcome to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Last running backs I want to ask you because I talked about both of these guys on your show and. One I said, I think we were going to have to wait a while, and it kind of came to fruition a little bit where we had to wait a real long while for for James Cook to get involved with Buffalo. And then Rashad White, who was another guy I didn't really think was going to get nearly as many touches and looks this year as he did. I thought it was more going to be maybe a guy that we would see a little bit here and there and then maybe more the following year. 
from what you've seen, and I know the sample size is significantly higher for White than it, than it is James Cook. When you look at these guys, do you do you think Cook is just scat back, Naheem Hines like, or didn't there's more there? And and where and what do you kind of look at Rashad White like? Would he intrigue you the most after like Kent Walker and Brees Hall, or would you would you definitively like a guy like Damian Pierce ahead of what you saw compared to Rashad White? I, I don't have ranks for you right now, but I can tell you, like, James Cook pops for speed. There's no question about it. He's more than Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines never popped like that for speed. But it's funny watching Dalvin Cook and James Cook play on the same weekend. Um, and Dalvin Cook had a kind of a crummy year, like, probably left some meat on the bone and might get cut. Like, there's a chance he's gone from Minnesota. And yet, you just see the difference in the brothers. You see why one came hyped and one didn't, you know, the Dalvin cook just brings a thump that James cook just, James cook just doesn't, you know, he just doesn't have it. So I don't imagine James cook is ever a traditional one running back. He benefits from being in one of the best offenses in the league. Whereas Rashad white was incredibly hindered by the fact that he was playing behind the worst offensive line, probably in the, in football. It was certainly the worst rushing attack. I want to be careful with Rashad White because he is going to Leonard Fournette probably goes somewhere else. He probably gets cut, and and people will go crazy on and Brady won't be there, and so people are like, okay, well, it's got to be Rashad White. Who else is there? <laughs> and we'll get the Miles Gaskin treatment, right? And I don't want people to think that Rashad White was was great just because he looked better than Leonard Fournette, um, and he did. And there's a reason they gave him the job basically in the second half of the season, and. I frankly saw Rashad White get hurt like every other game, limp off the field, and he always came back. Um, it reminded me of Matt Breida in in San Francisco, his <laughs> early career. Like he just always got hurt, but he was tough and he made it back. So it's a good question whether Rashad White makes it through a full season if he's an unquestioned starter. I kind of think he won't be an unquestioned starter, but that's okay because because that's the NFL now. There are very few guys who are like totally unquestioned. Yeah, White White has some of that. You know, everybody wants the the running back that proportion to be the Tony Pollard, Travis Etienne type. That's that's Rashad White's best case, I think. And I haven't seen it yet, but also it's tough to have seen it because that was a horrible offensive line. So I'm I'm willing to suspend judgment, but I, I think because I'm gonna suspend judgment, my guess is I'm gonna be way behind the market on him. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, people probably, if Fournette's not there, you'll see him get pushed up really high. I, I am intrigued by the player. He was he was like my number five pre-draft, and I, and I remember coming on your show talking about him a little bit too. And and I did like his game, and I, I'm, I've I'm been pleasantly surprised that he actually got as many touches this year. So it would be interesting going into year two, but I could see in the redraft world the hype kind of really getting out there and obviously a lot of question marks in Tampa. They got to fix that offensive line. Who's going to be the quarterback next year? Right. Uh, a lot, a mean, lot of Mike, questions. Mike Evans is a cut or a, really a trade candidate, but he's a salary cap related trade candidate. They're, they're going to be way over. And if they don't have a quarterback, they, they might really stink. Yeah. So that's good. That's going to be a lot of layers there in Tampa Bay for sure. Let's take this over to the pass catchers and, as usual, the wide receivers usually are the ones that intrigue the most in terms of the quantity that actually have moments throughout the season. And I think that kind of came again. We didn't have like high level Jamar Chase, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle, you know, f- rookie years. 
but we did have some performances here or there, not a lot of consistency, but let's start at the top. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, were those the two that just, you know, when you watch the film week in and week out, were those the two that impressed you the most? And do we think Wilson could be, I know we saw glimpses of greatness in, in a couple of weeks, but do you think he's got the talent to maybe be special, not a wide receiver two for fantasy, but legit top 10, top 12 NFL fantasy type wide receiver if the Jets can figure out that quarterback situation? I want to say yes, but I also realize that there's only 12 people who can be a, an, a wide receiver one in in fantasy leagues. You know, so it's really tough to sit here and go, I'm positive that Garrett Wilson's about to turn in a top 12 fantasy season. Like, we got a lot of receivers in this league, and they are always going to ebb and flow. Every team's playing three wide on every, you know, snap practically. And um, it's a it's a long way from here to there. But talent-wise, yeah. I think probably Olave struck me as, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I rely on Matt Harmon to mm-hmm. do the full breakdown of every single route. I'm not doing that. Like I'm mm-hmm. watching the game, right? So I'm not, I'm not then ISOing each route and making sure I see what Garrett Wilson did on every curl or every, you know, seven route or every whatever. Um, so I, my, my impression was that Olave was really super smooth and could get open on, on just about every route and that Wilson maybe wasn't quite as smooth, but that after the catch, Wilson is, a monster. <laughs> he's he's tiny, but he's a monster after the catch in a way that I don't think Olave proved that he is yet. Um, so probably I would rank them that way. I would say Wilson won Olave two in terms of what I was excited by, and we you know just looked forward to watching Wilson, especially in the second half of the year. Just he just kept making plays, <laughs> and the quarterbacks were all terrible, and he just kept making plays. And that Dolphins game. Maybe also the second to last game, uh, they just—I mean, Flacco in that last game was like, "I'm telling all of you who I'm throwing it to," and they could not stop it. It was incredible, and he's a kid, so uh, yeah, that's where I come down. At least you know we're gonna we're gonna have all sorts of time to change our opinions in the short term. Uh, in the long term, I think they're both very much worth being excited about. Yeah, and I mean, it's remarkable they were in the same wide receiver room with another right. guy who actually put up better stats. It's amazing that they didn't win the national championship when they had those two, the Smith and the Jigba who'll be, who'll be in this year's draft. And obviously, you know, CJ Stroud's going to be probably a top five or top 10 pick. It's kind of crazy that that was all their offense and, and they didn't come away with the national championship last year. Uh, next wide receiver. And this, I mean, I don't even know what to fully make of his year because of just how run first oriented the whole team was. But when, when you saw Drake London get opportunities, do you look at him as a guy who you think could be the, the clear guy that Atlanta should be running their offense through as a guy like who warranted that, or are you a little bit, where there's some concerns? I know you talk a lot about in your show sometimes, you know, you know, just guys who maybe struggle to separate, but are good at the catch point. And, you know, when you look at London, cause I know originally coming out, I liked him, but I didn't love him where some people had him. I had, I thought some concerns about separation. I didn't see as much separation concerns. I feel like when he got the opportunities, he was pretty good this year. I'm actually higher on him now than where I was pre-draft, but I know you don't, you know, you don't watch the film pre-draft on these guys too, too much. 
uh, if mm-hmm. you're focused on the NFL game. So, so where do you kind of take, what did you take from Drake London's rookie year? I took, again, just so tough with the surroundings because everything's a disaster. But I'll tell you, the biggest thing, I said it on my show a hundred times when I was watching Falcons film, is that everything people tried to tell me that Kyle Pitts was going to do right away for now, let me check my watch, (laughs) years, Drake London came in immediately being able to do. And so everybody who was making excuse for Kyle Pitts, all these since like i think kyle pitts has been in the league since about 2004 right by by the number of times people have been talking about him um like all the excuses that everybody loves kyle pitts was telling well it's hard to come in and you know it's a hard position and and the quarterbacks are bad and like they just offense is bad so just you have to be patient london all of a sudden was open and making plays and then of course pitts gets hurt and is out for the year and and it's not probably again being super fair but yeah i thought london immediately came in and knew how to get open um the the optimal case for him is mike evans and i don't think i see the mike evans speed so i don't think he's going to be that but he's he's massive he's a huge guy he's showed really really great coordination he had a few touchdowns that were wow type plays he's catching the ball from marcus Mariota most of the year which is you know not good uh i i left positive i can't say that i you know it's it's really, really easy for us to just go, yeah, I'm positive on that guy. Oh, that guy, yeah, positive on him. That guy over there, oh, sure, positive on him. I mean, that's the NFL now. Like, every team is going to have a three to 4,000-yard passer and four receivers that go for 800 yards or more. And, uh, like, does London have the ability to break out and be be more than just, like, what I call the wide receiver three infinite sadness? You know, he he does. Um he needs a quarterback to, for that to happen, I think. Um, and, uh, and then he himself needs to get better and maybe, maybe he winds up looking like he has a little more downfield separation, but I came away for sure thinking, yeah, that guy deserved to be a first round NFL pick. Yeah. I, I think I see it very similar. You just talked about the infinite sadness of the wide receiver at Paris. So we'll end the wide receiver conversation right here of the other highly regarded wide receivers. Jameson Williams will leave out because we barely saw anything. So, you know, I think he could be very good, but it's to be determined. From what we saw this year from Traylon Burks, he was hurt a little bit too. Jahan Dotson, he was hurt a little bit. George Pickens, Christian Watson. I think those are probably the other guys that we saw glimpses from this year. Is there one or two of those guys that what you saw on their talent and their film that if things break right with their own talent, they could get out of that wide receiver three or le- or lower and be a legitimate guy that, yeah, he could be a wide receiver too. He could be an impact player that that's not just amongst this giant group of guys that, you know, could do it each and every week, but they're not too reliable. Is there any anyone from that group that what you saw, you're like, I'm kind of intrigued with these guys. If I was going to get one on my dynasty team, you know, via trade or something, this is the guy – from that group that you'd want to kind of attach yourself to <laughs> no all of them the answer is all of them i don't think there's 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 really they do different things there's not any way to say that any of those four guys can't be superstars they all showed a ton of ability they just did like we're going to be able to throw poop at them because of their situations for six months now because there's going to be unknowns and other guys on their teams and who the heck's throwing the ball and all that stuff but the fact is i mean john dotson just looks like 
a beast as a deep threat. And I kind of think he looks like Terry McLaurin a little bit as a route runner. Like yeah. he, he looked, he looked really, really good. Uh, Christian Watson. I think he is Mike Evans. I said, Drake London has got a chance to be Mike Evans. I think Christian Watson already is right down to the hands problems, but like <laughs> he can get open deep and then also do the separation stuff and the, you know, making a catch when he's covered and all that stuff. I think he's ready to be Mike Evans, but who's his quarterback? And is Aaron Rodgers being his quarterback a good thing? You know, or do do we would rather a change? Like I don't know. Uh, Burks kind of looked like AJ Brown to me at times. Like he, he does not going to separate from anybody. I don't think AJ Brown really is known. I mean, there are times this year where I was surprised how much AJ Brown actually did start separating from people, but. Uh, that isn't typically his game. He's much more like he's going to muscle you out in the middle of the field. And I saw Traylon Burks do that several times. Uh, and who am I missing? Uh, we hit Burks, we hit Dots, Pickens. Yeah, I mean, Pickens has the scariest situation probably of the group because it feels like it's all going to stay the same. And if it all stays the same, and, and man, if Matt Canada's back as offensive coordinator, there just aren't enough balls to go around for anybody. But I mean, you can't have watched him on the sideline a few times and not gone, oh my God, like this is, this is, this guy is the best hands in the league practically already. And he's a big guy. So the answer is all of them. I would be happy to have all of them. And at some point, all we're doing is guessing on situation, which is starting to make fantasy more frustrating year by year with the receivers because there's just not a lot of rhyme or reason outside the first several, you know, so the first seven or eight. Um, and then you just go and I'm going to predict somehow Atlanta pops. And then you want Drake London, or I'm just going to say maybe Green Bay figures it out. And then you want Christian Watson. And that's a hard, because we're terrible at that. You know, we're not that good. Yes. We all thought Seattle was the worst team in the league this year. Don't, don't forget everybody. You <laughs> all did. Um, so it's, it's leaves us in a tough spot. I think, you know, it was an incredible class and you're going to come on my show and tell me if this is the case, but I've certainly heard that this receiver class is not nearly as good. And that most of these guys, if they were in this coming draft, the, the ones who went in 2022, if they were in 2023, they'd be like the best guy or the second best guy. Um, and and like in some ways, I'm comforted by that because I don't need eight guys coming into the league every year where I go, yep, he, he could be a superstar. Oh, yep, he, he, <laughs> he could be a superstar too. Like that doesn't help us really because if there are that many guys who can be a superstar and then you wind up with multiple on a, on each team, we're just throwing darts. Yeah, and, you know, we just talked about eight wide receivers and, you know, we didn't get a chance. Wanda Robinson has best game, then tears his ACL. Sky Moore just never really got kind of embedded in that Kansas City offense. We'll see what that happens next year. But, yeah, you're right. When I come on your show and we talk wide receivers for this year, I think the number one for this year would be would have been like my number six last year. So it yeah. just shows you it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a different – a different level of class. Let's run that real quick because we know barely make much of an impact in terms of fantasy, but Greg Dulcich, Trey McBride were, were the clear guys that were talked about the most. I'm really intrigued by Chica Conquo and out of Tennessee. Mm. Is there, is there somebody from this tight end? I'm not going to say tight end one because it doesn't take much to be the back end tight end one. Is there anything you saw from any of the rookie tight ends that lead you to believe they could, maybe one day pushed their way into top six, top seven, top eight. I'm not going to say low tight end one because that literally is if you score a touchdown, you're there. But, you know, I think we know who's near the top still for a little bit longer with, you know, with Kelsey and Hawkinson and Andrews and Goddard. But is there somebody that maybe could be in the next wave of guys from this rookie class? 
here's the thing. We're going to, we're going to go on a crusade to eliminate tight end as a position in <laughs> fantasy long before we have to worry about that. We're, we're going to, we're going to march to ESPN and Yahoo and CBS. <laughs> and we're not going to let any of those guys out of the building until they program that tight end is no longer its own position. Cause it is useless. It is not <laughs> fun. It's not entertaining. I thought fantasy was supposed to be fun. Hey, every week, guess what you get to choose between it's Ty Conklin or Noah Fant. Good luck. Um, <laughs> And and frankly, the tight end, too, I mean, wasn't, uh, what's his name? Uh, Taysom Hill, the tight end, too, this year? Like, yeah. In, in everybody's format. And he had, like, nine catches. Um, so the answer is no. I mean, I agree with you. Oconquo, even before the injuries um, stacked up for Tennessee, he really stood up to me. I talked about him. I was like, who's this guy? I don't know how to say his name. Because <laughs> I'm it's really not smart. But... Uh, I, I, he stood out to me even before he started making plays in the national TV games. I think he's really interesting. He's also just small. Yes. He's probably never going to be able to block and he's not real fast. So it's tough to say in a single tight end set, he's your guy. Like they only really played him in two tight end sets. Uh, I, I'm, I suspect that he's a niche player, even though he's really f- seemed super fun, athletic, athletic speaking. Um, and, and I don't know about, Trey McBride, did he play? Like I never saw him. <laughs> Kate Otten, I saw every so often. Uh, Dulcich, you know, there are three tight ends on the Broncos roster that seem to do more than Dulcich. Even though the couple of times Dulcich made, you know, was out there, he seemed fast. Yep. He seemed pretty fast. But like, no, the answer is probably no. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tight end every year. I mean, we rarely see guys come in and, and make an impact real life or fantasy. Like a lot of times guys are better on their second contract, you know, in New York, we're, we're watching Evan Ingram all of a sudden put up these monster stats after doing nothing on and off for, for about four years here in New York. Uh, a, a lot of times it's, it's, it's a hard position to evaluate. It's a hard position to see immediate production. And like you said, it's, it's, it's quite the frustrating position in fantasy trying to <laughs> I mean, pick the, between the thing these is guys. That- Evan Engram also stinks. He still stinks. <laughs> he just gets a lot of passes, right? Yeah. And he he did have a very good playoff second half in this playoff game and came back and that was important. And he scored a bunch of touchdowns. You know, like he did stuff. He still stinks. Watching him every week, you're like, oh, cool. You ran the wrong route. You ran into receiver, fell down. They got intercepted. Or like, oops, you dropped that one, didn't you? Like he's still not good. People are trying to sell me Gerald Everett all of a sudden. Like, like I'm like, I was born yesterday. Jer- yeah. Gerald Everett's really, really come around. Look at these stats. I'm like, dude, just wait. And that's how I've, I mean, Ingram's a free agent again. So like, good luck. I, you know, Jacksonville might sign him, but it's going to take a lot of money and probably a bunch of years. And I say, good luck. Cause I just don't think he's that good. You know, I, there, there aren't that many guys who are great who play that position because it's not an important position in the NFL anymore, except for in terms of blocking. Yeah. And, and then even the ones that we do expect, you know, a great year. I mean, look what happened, you know, to Mark Andrews. I know some of oh. that's, you know, Lamar, but I mean, this is, this is why like, you know, even Kyle Pitts was like a third round pick. Mark Andrews oh. was like second, like these guys were going like second, third rounds and look Don't at the, it. you know, look at the lack of production that, you know, that we got from those guys. So yeah, always hard to evaluate this year. will be interesting because it might be two going round one. So inevitably we'll be talking about them around the draft and that's after the draft. Kid, so right? what I can't, the Notre Dame kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame. M- kid. Michael then, Mayer. Michael Mayer. Yep. And then there's a kid from Georgia too. So, you know, w- there will be talking about some of these guys, but you know, very rarely do we see, you know, I always go back to that Evan Ingram draft class. All we heard about was Evan Ingram, David Njoku, you know, and OJ Howard. This is the greatest tight end class of all time, athletic freaks. And, you know, it's kind of wild to think that Evan Ingram 
is, has had the best career. And I watched Evan Ingram every week. And like you talked about, bad routes, drop passes, not utilized properly. But he's far and away been been the most productive of that trio. And that was supposed to be like an all-time great tight end class. Kyle Pitts is supposed to be all-time generational. We still haven't seen that yet. So it, it's it's a position that is frustrating fantasy, hard to evaluate for sure. Uh, but there it is, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, hearing some different perspectives on this rookie class, kind of wrapping up the NFL season. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for hopping on here and giving us 30 minutes or so. Uh, please, I'm sure most of my audience uh, follows you and follows your work, but please uh, let everybody know where they can find you, uh, what you're working on, and, and that whole stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Harris Football, where... I will probably tweet some things about football, but some other things too. Um, and then HarrisFootball.com. I'm doing podcasts one per week. It's a luxurious pace because I do five per week during the five months of the fantasy season. But right now, one per week leading up to the Super Bowl. It's fun. Uh, doing a little, like I said, this week, uh, going to do Tyler Algier film breakdown. Uh, doing a little, uh, this week, Scott Pianowski is coming on and we're going to talk about uh, salary cap casualties potential. Uh, so that's kind of fresh in my mind. Hopefully you'll be coming on once we get to March, because that's when I'll start learning about these NFL prospects. So love to anybody who wants to the Saturday to Sunday crowd wants to come aboard. I'd love to have them. Guys, make sure you're checking out all the great work that Chris is doing there. I've gone on record. I said to Chris, I said to my audience, I'll say it again. If you're someone who plays fantasy and listens to a lot of podcasts, if you're not following Chris, you're doing it wrong. His Monday, Tuesday episodes are the best episodes you can find out there in terms of someone who actually is watching the games and not just box score, reading stats. Uh, you'll get his takes on what he sees, and, and that really goes in depth compared to some of the other stuff that's out there. You get a really good perspective a different perspective uh, than, than I think what you get from a lot of other sources out there. So make sure you're checking out the pod, make sure you're checking out his work uh, over at Harris football for sure. So on behalf of Chris, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.